0: Hey, everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 157 of the Mandolins Beer Podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. It's also brought to you in part by Acoustic Disc, where they just started this week the free treat of the week, and if you go to Acoustic Disc, they're gonna be releasing a free MP3 track to download off one of the Acoustic Disc releases, and this week, it's old and in the way, live at the boarding house, and the free track is that high and lonesome sound. And you can visit that Treat of the Week page at acousticdisc.com weekly-treat.com. So check that out, that's awesome, free stuff is good. Also brought to you in part by Grace Design preamps, the Bix, the Alex, and the Felix 2, some of the finest preamps that you can plug your mandolin into. And actually, uh, as we talked to AJ Lee, my guest this week, her entire band uses the Grace Design preamps, and she's got nothing but good stuff to say about them. So thank you so much to Grace Design. Hope everybody is doing well. I'm gearing up to uh, head out on tour with my Tom Petty Bluegrass Tribute Band to Michigan, Grand Rapids Thursday next week, uh, Bay City Friday at the State Theater, and Otis Supply the Parliament Room in Ferndale on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to those gigs. Playing with Picky Fingers, Keith Billick on banjo as well, and Brad Phillips, who played with the Verve Pipe, and also with the actor Jeff Daniels. He's playing fiddle. They're both such great players. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, So I'm also going to be doing, um, there will be a podcast next week. I'll be releasing it. I did the interview today, and I'll give you a heads up. It's Sam Bush. He's got a brand new album coming out next week called Radio John. It's his tribute slash love letter to the late, great John Hartford, and I spoke with him today, and it was just, it was awesome. I'm looking forward to y'all hearing that. Also, I want to remind y'all, too, that coming up here... In November, November 11th through the 13th, my buddy Jake Jolliffe, one of the best mandolin players out there, uh, he's got the Zoom intensive course coming up for mandolin. That's the 11th through the 13th. And for more information, you can holler at Jake via his website, via his Instagram. It's going to be incredible. If you're looking to refine your practice technique, I don't think you could do any better than uh, Jake Jolliffe. So be sure to holler at Jake. Tell him I said hello if you, uh, if you do as well. And if you're looking to take some mandolin lessons, you can't really do any better than Peghead Nation streaming video courses. Their video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass, you can learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles like Shoro. From some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots music. They have the best lineup of instructors, hands down. Cher Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibus, Chad Manning. And Ian Curry Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab play-along tracks and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Best part, join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now. You get your first month for free. Just go to pegheadnation.com and use that promo code MANDOLINBEER, all one word, at checkout. Speaking of codes to save yourself money, go to straightupstrings.com and you can use the code word all caps, all one word, Mando Beer, and get a 10% discount on books and strings, and that includes the six packs. Hear every note of every chord with the strings, and again, if you're looking at even thinking about building a mandolin, Step one should be going to StraightUpStrings.com and getting the Simonoff book on mandolin construction. All the best luthiers in the world have them on their shelf. You should do so too. And again, you can save yourself 10% by using the code MANDOBEER, all one word, all caps, at checkout. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at Northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Also, be sure to follow them on the Instagram. Such great, great mandolin photos. Ear Trumpet Labs, Ear Trumpet Labs hand build microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed. They have great feedback rejection for live use and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. Check them out at EarTrumpetLabs.com today. Also be sure to follow them on the Instagrams as well. Ellis Mandolins, handcrafted mandolins, designed and built in Austin, Texas, and Elderly Instruments. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new used and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experienced beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, and did I say mandolins? includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. They're in their 50th year. They're family-owned and operated. They ship worldwide, and you can visit them anytime at elderly.com. Or, you know, if you find yourself in Lansing, head over there as well. It is 100% worth the trip. You can also give them a phone call at 517-372-7880. I hope to see you all in Michigan. I'm going to be heading that way in just a few days after these gigs. i got four or five gigs here in Charleston left to do, and then we we head north. My guest this week is AJ Lee. I got to see her in Charleston just a few weeks ago. Her band is incredible. Um, Her band and Molly Tuttle's band, I say this during the podcast, but they are the two best live bands I think I've seen this year. Just incredible stuff. So if uh, either of those bands are in the area where you live, go and check them out. All right. I hope everybody here has a wonderful week. Talk to you soon. Let's get into the episode with AJ Lee. Cheers, everybody.
1: Good afternoon in San Jose. Easy on my eyes. All right, now it's my pleasure
0: to welcome to the podcast AJ Lee. AJ, how you doing? Hey, doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, thank you so much for doing it. And um I want to say, what a great show. I saw you at the Poorhouse House a couple Saturdays ago, and your band is phenomenal.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that was a fun place. Uh, our first time playing in Charleston.
0: Yeah, oh, was it really? Mm-hmm. Oh, no kidding. Cool. Cool. That's, a, yeah, Poor House is a fun place. They usually don't, Um, I don't recall them having TVs on with football. That was a first for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was,
1: yeah, it's a, one of those kind of classic bar gig things where you, where people go crazy and you're like, well, uh, oh, that wasn't for a solo. That was for uh, <laughs> somebody
0: else. For Tennessee winning. <laughs> and that guy comes up and yeah. asks if you guys could play Rocky Top. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that, there's always those little gems thrown in there.
0: Yeah, that's classic. But you guys were coming off of a pretty busy East Coast run.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was our second East uh, East Coast tour we've ever done with uh,
0: our configuration. No kidding. And you, you have some East Coast dates coming up uh, as well? Yeah, 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 we do. Yeah, what are those? Yeah, it looks like you have a couple things actually coming up, one on the East Coast at least.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So next week, basically, um, we're, we're on the East coast doing a few things here and there, but we're also going to be joining the California honey drops, um, on a few of their shows as well. And so we're looking
0: forward to that. That's going to be a blast. And you were just in the studio last week too. I mean, you are, you are just, uh, burning it up right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the studio was for a different band, but it was definitely a fun time. I got to do a, I got to experiment with a few different instruments and sounds.
0: Good for you. You know, and it's, um, it's funny. I've been telling a bunch of people like the two best bands I have seen, I think live this year, um, as your band, it was just a great, great show. And then the Molly Tuttle band and you have like, you guys have a tie in (laughs) Mm. (laughs) oddly enough. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: Thank you. First of all. And, and yeah, uh, uh, being uh, having a lot of history with the Tuttles, um yeah, we we have Sully Tuttle in our band, and and as some folks probably could assume, Sully is Molly's brother.
0: How, and how long have you gone back with them? You guys have done um, some albums together, even. <laughs>
1: to pinpoint exactly when we first started but i know that i i started playing um with the tuttles probably when i was about seven or eight years old when uh jack at the time he was doing um his school of bluegrass program because he's a music teacher he he used to do this program um where he would just get a bunch of kids together and play so that's how i kind of got involved with them
0: and you've been i mean you come kind of from a musical family your mom uh as mm-hmm. a as a singer you have a uh, unbelievable voice as well. Yeah, it was such a <laughs> great singer. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Thank you. Well, you have to hear my mom sing.
0: Oh, no kidding. Does she have recordings <laughs> out there? <laughs>
1: uh, she doesn't really have any recordings. It's it's usually just a hobby for her, but uh yeah, I, definitely the music came from her side of the family and she's still a fantastic
0: musician. So how did you find yourself then picking a mandolin?
1: Um I well what I've heard is I started on I basically started on the ukulele tune to mandolin and my mom has told me that's just because since I was a small child it was the best thing that fit in my hands at the time (laughs) sure and then yeah and then I just graduated to the mandolin and then I don't know I just kind of stuck with it um I didn't really have you know too many like musical and uh aspirations at the time I just kind of liked to do it. So I just stuck with what I knew.
0: Yeah. How long was it, or what age was it when you really started focusing on, on, on playing the mandolin and, and trying to get, you know, like your, your focus towards getting better on the instrument?
1: Uh, that's an interesting question because actually until I joined Blue Summit, when the band formed back in 2015, that was actually when, um, I first started to improvise on my own, really, and like jam with other people. Oh, wow. and so, I, yeah, like with with the Tuttles, I, I always really liked playing mandolin, but it was kind of more like practiced, arranged sort of thing instead of just like free improvisation. So, I would say when Blue Summit started around that period, it's when I like actually genuinely took an interest in pursuing the instrument and pursuing music as a career.
0: So when you were playing with the tunnels, like were you were you still taking breaks, or, or or was it just kind of like fiddle tunes and playing the melodies of the fiddle tunes?
1: Yeah, a, a little bit of both. I was, I was. Uh, I Jack kind of helped write out a few, you know, key solos here and there, and and you know, kind of was very helpful in, in in guiding you know where the melody should go. And yeah, with fiddle tunes, you kind of just play, you know, some sort of improvised version of it, but n- nothing really that I like we'll just make up on the
0: spot. How do you going from that to improvisation? Cause that's a pretty big step in, in, mm. you know, and, and you, the band, I mean, you said you've been doing this since like 2015. So obviously, but your the improv solos were great um, with mm. the band. Uh, and so obviously you've, you've studied <laughs> getting better at that <laughs> or worked on getting better at that. You know, how did you make that step? And what are some things you worked on?
1: Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, first off, it's, it is pretty intimidating if you've never improvised. Like, you don't really know where to start. Like, should I do scales or, like, I need to know what chord or, what key I'm in, what chord it goes to. Um, and the, the way that I uh, found myself learning how to improvise is just watching um, one of my friends, David Teeson. Um, play mandolin and the way he would do it is just like I would watch the patterns that he would use in whatever key we were in which usually you know like if you know a pattern in G you can also play it in A and B flat and B pretty much Um, same thing with you know C, D and E because you have that basic shape so a lot of the licks transfer pretty easily especially if you're using closed positions so I would just kind of watch like kind of the double stops that he would use and and just kind of mimic what he does until I could I was comfortable enough adding into my little variations on top of whatever he was doing
0: were there any players that you were listening to or picking apart like solos or anything like that too doing like wood shedding
1: um not not actually not really um cuz cuz even though I was learning how to improvise and I was taking more interest in the mandolin my 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 sole um, focus was still mostly learning s- singing, like, you know, songs and songwriting. So I didn't really spend too much time just like, you know, s- sitting down and, and trans uh, transcribing a solo of
0: any kind. Your soloing is great. So it's, it's, it's interesting to hear the perspective and, you know, like it, have so many different perspectives and ways to approach it. Which I think should be encouraging to people because there's some people who sit down and meticulously write out note for note, you know, like the craziest Chris Thiele solos, you know. And then there are people like yourself who like um, song based and kind of because you really do play for the song and you've got some killer licks as well, but it never distracts, never distracts from the tunes at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I there's some parts of me I do wish that I would sit down and transcribe a few solos here and there because it is very beneficial to do that. Just like the the process of like how you think about things, and just for practice sake, like you get your technique down, you know, probably a lot better than just kind of doodling around <laughs> here <laughs> and there.
0: Were you guys on the road a lot starting in 2015, or have you just really starting to then get out there? um as of recently cuz you guys were nominated for a momentum award at the IBMA
1: yeah uh we've only really been traveling as much as we have in in the last uh last 2 years i would say as soon as um the pandemic kind of opened up we we just got hit the ground and went on the road um in 2015 you know we weren't really very serious about the band because it was just like a throw togethers uh kind of band i would say Um, And that's actually how we ended up with two guitar players, you know When the band formed it wasn't like oh, we need a fiddle player bass player uh, banjo player, uh, you know, so-and-so it was because we liked um, Jamming with our friends and so it started with just like hey we all like being in our each other's presence and so we're just gonna do that and uh, Just pick up a few gigs and see how it goes, but over the years um, It seems like the band has been doing really well, so we've been able to Uh, Pick up a lot more gigs and go on the road and become full time, and we've been about full. We've been full time for, I would say maybe about four years now.
0: It's interesting too. I had just, um, I had been hanging out with Joe K. Walsh, the mandolin player, a few weeks ago, and we were we were talking about like the mandolin symposiums, and Scott Gates' name came up. And, and we're, he was like, oh, I wonder what he's been up to. I, I'm guessing he's probably still playing. And then I, I went to see him I'm like, uh, hey, wait a minute. I think that's the guitar. I think that's the guitar player in this band right now. I sent him a picture yeah. while you guys were playing. That's a yeah. Yeah,
1: that yeah that's pretty the wild. mandolin player playing
0: guitar. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like, get out of here, man. That was a that was a trip. They both have great yeah. complementing styles. By the way, too, I thought it it was interesting to see two guitar players, and I wasn't really sure what to expect. But I really, mm. uh, I was really blown away by the fact that they have completely different styles and yet mesh perfectly together in the band Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah that was definitely um one of the things we were thinking about when uh our previous guitar player jesse fishman when he left the band we were trying to think of okay well are we still gonna do the two guitar thing um because we've always done that or should we explore something else but really when when jesse left the band our number one choice was scott because well, he's just a very versatile musician. He he plays mandolin, but he can also play guitar. He's a songwriter, a fantastic singer, and he's just really good at listening. So I think just on top of him having his own unique style, he's just really good at being in tune with what somebody else is doing.
0: The um songwriting—that's another thing. Um, y- you have some really great songs. The one I'm 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 gonna slaughter the name, but it's the mining song. So I'll have you say the name of the song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, that's Mononga mine. Sailing across the sea to the mine, didn't know what they would find, where darkness down below is lit
0: by wind. mine, yeah, what a great song, my wife was blown away by it. Um, mm, she was yeah thank you absolutely who are some of your big songwriting influences because that's the other thing that these um that this last recording um i'll come mm. back has is really great tunes
1: yeah well uh, first off my my mom i always give my mom credit for uh teaching me music and for you know teaching me to sing and also for teaching me to songwrite as well because she has a few songs here and there that she's written and and when i st- started to get um, interested in writing, she would kind of come over and give me a few pointers and tips in here and there. But uh I would just draw influence from whatever I was listening to at the time, unfortunately. You know, I don't really listen to them anymore now. Um, but I was really big on Maroon Five, the the pop band. Oh, at no time, kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> back in the day. So yeah and uh actually to mine is kind of in insp- the the rhythmic part of it was inspired by one of their songs Don't change for me let me show elements from there and then also you know Tim O'Brien is always just like a fantastic songwriter and I'm always impressed with his lyrics and 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 all that but yeah just you know whoever is uh, I'm listening to at the time I kind of just um t- draw a few little uh, ear candy things here and there from them now that's the funny thing with songwriting is um it, it's like being inspired by something and uh keeping a song simple without making it sound too much like something else. That's the hardest part.
0: Do you write on guitar or do you write on mandolin?
1: I do. I, I do both. It just uh, just depends on how I feel at the time. Like sometimes the, the sound of the guitar can inspire a, a different direction. And, you know, same thing with the mandolin.
0: One of the things that I do love about that album, and um, I, I try to tell this to anybody who's like songwriter based when they're on this show is like, it's a good gateway album uh to play like on road trips with the band where everybody not everybody in my band is big bluegrass uh maniacs you know what i mean so mm-hmm. you know they can listen to some stuff but after you know after maybe uh 45 minutes of bill monroe or so they might be like oh, okay, <laughs> God, maybe we listen to something else
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: you know but like i can put an album like yours on or like uh, frank sullivan's albums and different things like that and they still get a good idea of they're still bluegrass bass but they're songs you know parts and different changes and yeah so congrats on, on on some great songs uh you know that's that's thank that, you that's tough to do i think as well
1: <laughs> well thank you yeah I, I appreciate your your take on that and i'm i'm glad people are liking the album and, and what we do
0: yeah any plans so this one came out it, come on it was 2021
1: um i believe so yes yeah, because I, I we, we record yeah we recorded it in 2020 I think the uh, winter of 2020 so it came out 2021.
0: Yeah, any plans on yet on going into the studio yet? Or are you guys still making the plans for 2023 at this point?
1: We we're planning on possibly doing some demo work, uh, maybe in February, where we still have a little bit of downtime, but but uh, getting sort of closer to festival season. So that's a good place to start practicing um, what, or getting together what we're going to be actually recording. But we do have, we want to record in 2023. So we're still um, thinking about that.
0: Yeah, you guys, speaking of festival season, you guys played some pretty cool festivals this year, it looked like, looking back at your schedule.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, this year was super fun. Um, the bu- few bucket list items um, for sure was uh, High Sierra and Telluride. And we just got back from Hangtown, played Strawberry, um, the CBA Father's Day Bluegrass Festival, uh, you know, just lots of really notable festivals. We played the last Kate Wolf Festival as well this year. So that was the, the whole summer and, and leading on was
0: awesome. Good for you guys. Hard work paying off. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. And hardly strictly this year, too. That's the other one I was thinking of. Oh, no kidding. Cool. Yeah, that was super fun.
0: Do you have like uh, one highlight from this entire entire year? It's a lot of bucketless gigs, but is there any one moment that maybe stands oh. out as like, holy cow, I can't believe this just happened?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, that's a that's a big question. <laughs> I mean, it's. I feel like I've had that feeling basically with every festival that we've played. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's kind of hard to pinpoint. I mean, hardly strictly was definitely one of one of those that was up there for us, just because uh, a lot of us have been going for a few years, and you know they have the best of the best acts. And um, yeah, we were just really honored to be part of the lineup this year.
0: You also kind of had a little bit of viral fame um, this with the uh, Harvest Moon. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's got a great mandolin solo. Actually, that got pointed out in like one of the reviews as I was like flipping through. About that's what the song needed was some mandolin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. i I. I think all of us were surprised at how well it's been doing um, on the media. I mean, yeah, just recently Ben uploaded it uh, for a second time because there was a full moon. He's like, oh, people will like this. It's a full moon and harvest moon and. And I believe uh, as of yesterday, I heard it was up to like something like 4.3 million views on their Instagram or something
0: like that. So we've just been like, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, any plans with linking up and doing some shows with them?
1: Uh, well, there's some talk in the future. We definitely want to do some shows together. So um, we'll just, you know, uh, keep your ear out for the when those dates come out.
0: Yeah and everybody can um they can find you by the way if they go online the best place I'm guessing to to uh track you down would be at your website which is bluesummitmusic.com and I'll have a link yes. for that in the uh in the description of this podcast and then also your Instagram and all those good things and I'll have links to all that for you as well.
1: Perfect, yeah. Thank yeah. you.
0: You're welcome. So let's talk about your um your your main acts. What is the who's the maker of that mandolin?
1: So that mandolin is uh is a custom mandolin made by my friend Dennis Anderson. And he's not uh, I wouldn't necessarily say he's a, you know, uh he he is a maker, but he doesn't make too many things for, you know, just people to buy. He that was actually the fourth mandolin he's ever made and he just really liked what I was doing and he wanted to make me one and and it's definitely one of a kind. The back and sides are uh Juniper that he took from his ranch in Colinga, and then the top is spruce, and he even added a little bit of deer antler on the, uh, the the points of the mandolin on the body. Those little horns, yeah, just a little touch to make it unique. And, and I've been loving it. I've been playing it for uh, oh, I think uh, it was made maybe in two thousand thirteen. So I've been putting a few years on it.
0: How did um is he a luthier or just a woodworker? What was his what was his uh, history with it?
1: His, I mean, his, his main, uh, his main thing is just doing ranching work in Colinga. But um, yeah, he's he's just like dabbled in making a few instruments uh, over the years, and he just has a really great talent for it, and he loves to do it. Obviously, so yeah, he just uh, it's kind of a hobby for him.
0: Is that what you used on the album as well?
1: Yeah, I used I used two different mandolins. I used this one mostly for solos and um, and like any kind of open sort of sort of uh, Cord Cordage type of stuff and then I have another one that's actually at my parents house now, but I have a Ray Weber mandolin, which um, Isn't the common Weber that a lot of people have this one uh, has two B's Ray Weber and I don't think he's really made too many of his mandolins either, but I use that one also, on the album, for like kind of a more darker kind of chop, because it has like that full body kind of sound versus the one I play, it has like a really bright and forward kind of sound.
0: You have a lot of studio recordings as well. Do you have any like tips for anybody listening who might be recording for the first time? Because uh, uh, speaking of another intimidating thing, is sitting down with a microphone <laughs> a foot away <laughs> from you, ready yeah. to pick up any uh, mistake you make.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's a that's a weird thing getting into um, as well. But if you're first starting to record, I guess I would say, um, yeah. So the, for for example, our last album, we wanted to record it like to capture our most genuine sound that you would hear as if you were hearing us on stage. So like we didn't want to add too many effects. And and the way we recorded this album was to do all the rhythm tracks together. Um, And when you're recording, you want to make sure, you know, your volume isn't too loud because sometimes I've recorded with my voice or my mandolin too loud and not too much and and not exactly blended well into the mix. And so I end up playing lighter or singing lighter than I would. So you want to make sure everything's just set up to where you're playing naturally and you know putting full volume and tone out there.
0: What about when you do the solos, when you're tracking the solos, do you have a different approach then?
1: Um, I mean I would take the same approach Just just play it as if you were playing out to an audience And not really listening too intently on what you're playing I mean you want to practice what you're playing But if you overdub Like if you have the rhythm track And then usually people will go back in and, and overdub the solos Which means like you have the rhythm track set And you leave a space where your solo would be So you would go back and you would overdub that and you know take a few takes different takes so you so you have different parts to work with and and you know just try to focus on your tone and and volume being um how how it would sound naturally because you don't want to go back and say oh i could have like played this harder or played this better you want to give it your best
0: and now when you played live you guys plug in and you had a pretty cool effects little effects board over there what's uh what are some of the pedals that you use when you're playing live
1: <laughs> yeah, I pl- I use a a delay pedal. I have a reverb pedal. Um, I have oh, I have a wah pedal on my board, which I feel like not too many mandolin players use. Um, but I've been borrowing that wah, which has a gain adjuster, because sometimes when you use wah for mandolin, it's got like that weird range. Uh, like sometimes you can't really open up the wah to too full or else you'll just get like this crazy feedback or just like a frequency that really stands out. But with the, uh, with the wall with the gain adjuster, you can kind of map out how much range that you're giving the mandolin. So it's it's better to use those with that. Um, and then I have like the Grace Design pre, uh, preamp, which we all use actually, which we've been loving. We got those just like maybe two years ago or so. And they're awesome. I used to use the bags. Which was pretty good too, but the Grace design, it's 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 like feels like as close to that you can get to playing into a microphone um as you can while still using a preamp.
0: Yeah, which which Grace do you use?
1: Um I'm using the the
0: Alex or the Alex? Yeah, the Alex, yeah. Yeah. Kind of the in-between one there.
1: Yeah, just like the one input. Chad Chad and Jan both use the Felix.
0: Uh, and Jan, by the way, I should bring this up while we were and we were talking about the album, but there's a great story about the instrumental on the album, Rodney Dangerfield. his story i know he he told it on stage but it's a pretty uh it's it's a pretty good uh mix of of two names
1: (laughs) yeah i'll i'll try my best to tell his story but uh uh so basically jan the album consists of all original material mostly written by me and then jan has this one song that he put on there or tune as he likes to distinguish um and it's called Rodney Dangerfield because when Jan was kind of first living in his own apartment in the East Bay, he used to live in El Cerrito, and uh, he and his friends used to jam, um, and he had this neighbor downstairs who just hated them jamming on bluegrass, even though, you know, it was all acoustic and they would jam during the day, but his uh, neighbor who hated that they jammed, and so Jan wanted to dedicate a song to him. And so that's that's how that came about. The neighbor's name was Rodney, and the song they used to jam all the time was Old Dangerfield, so it just <laughs> turned into Rodney Dangerfield.
0: <laughs> that's a great telling of that story, by the way. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. You did excellent.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, the whoever hasn't heard it, they'll have to listen to the original storyteller <laughs> to, to really get the grasp of it, but that's the gist.
0: Have you have you monkeyed around much with like your pedal board and effects and different things like that? And you've kind of settled on that or is that been um, kind of like your main your main pedal board going forward? Uh, I thought you did a really tasteful job. The whole band did of of um, of when using them and and during jams and different things.
1: Thank you. Um, Yeah, the the effects were still. We're still kind of experimenting with a uh, few pedals here and there. I mean, as as far as the effects go, we we never Blue Summit didn't start out as a band that used uh, effects or like pedals or anything. But just like over the years, we figured the variation is nice. Like like uh, like many listeners to this podcast probably know, people say, "Oh, that's not bluegrass," or like, "That's progressive," <laughs> or, like, "That's jamgrass," or blah blah blah. So we decided to use pedals because for the music that we do, it just seemed like the right direction. Um, Obviously, you don't use it in traditional bluegrass because they all still like to use mics, too, and like condensers. But with the pedals, it just adds like a nice, um, yeah, like just a nice little taste uh, and and it showcases like what I would hear in like one of my songs, or like adding on to like songwriting. Like it just adds a little flavor of production, I think. And uh, we're still experimenting with that. Uh, Scott doesn't have any pedals yet, and and Sully doesn't really use any pedals. But hopefully, sometime in the future, we'll just see what that sounds like. Maybe a little, uh, maybe like a little envelope here and there, <laughs> or something.
0: Love an envelope filter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're so much fun. That's a, another hard one on mandolin, though. You got to find the right one, or otherwise it's just like you don't have that wide range. It's just like you know, either really quacky or or feeds back like crazy. <laughs> for sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah. What about picks and strings?
1: Well, I use the Diodarios now, just like a medium kind of whatever I can find at the music store. I used to really like uh, the mandolin strings made by Elixir. But I heard that they're they're just not doing it anymore. But I used to really love their strings.
0: Yeah, what a bummer.
1: Yeah, yeah. My uh, my my landlord actually uh, he's also a music lover as well. I was telling him that. Oh yeah, I used to like Elixirs, and he actually went on like eBay, and he's like, "Hey, I found these here. You have them?"
0: Oh no way, really?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was really sweet of him. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. What about uh, what about picks?
1: Picks, I use uh, just a blue chip, Um, I use the 50, and uh, yeah, not really really anything else, except for, um, I've noticed, because, okay, so I have my mandolin, and then the other two I have here at my house, I have my mandocaster, and then I have this, uh, uh, he calls it an electric nylon string mandolin. And so for those two, I use a lighter gauge pick just because the the tension is you know not as much as my mandolin, so it's nicer to use like a like a more flimsy, I guess you could say, kind of
0: gauge. Let's talk about that nylon string mandolin real quick. What's what? Uh, who who makes that? That's that's cool sounding.
1: That's a uh, yeah. That's a uh, it's super awesome. It's made by Bill Griffin. Um, he he basically invented the instrument. It's. It has a, it kind of, it looks like a mandolin, but it has kind of its own unique shape. It's sort of hard to describe, but um, there's, it has nylon strings on the E and the A string, and then it's silk and steel on the D and the G string. And it's, it feels and sounds like a perfect hybrid between a ukulele and mandolin. And my favorite thing about it is it, it has more of the tension of a mandolin because if you've played a ukulele, it's a, uh, you know, the the strings are they give a little bit more so you can't really like chop on a ukulele as hard as a mandolin, but but with this hybrid you can take solos and it feels more familiar to me.
0: Looks like you might call it a mandolele? Is that what that? Does that sound right? Yeah,
1: yeah, he's called it a mandolele too.
0: Wow, those are great looking. Holy holy cow, that's neat.
1: Yeah, and and uh I I can't remember the, um, the pickup that he put up in it, but it's, uh, it's got this really cool thing going on too, where I have this, uh, charger for the pickup and you plug it in to, um, to the pickup and you plug it into the wall for about 60 seconds and it lasts about 16 hours just on that 60 second charge.
0: Whoa. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty neat. That's really neat we got to look into that.
1: <laughs> yeah, Bill Griffin, get him up.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then um the Mandocaster, let's talk about that too.
1: Yeah, that's a new addition. Um I I kind of had to be in my bonnet to get an electric instrument cuz I already have a kind of a, you know, an okay electric guitar, but I was thinking for the future just like trying to add in a little extra flavor here and there. But I did a Facebook post and I said hey, anybody have any suggestions for an electric mandolin? And I got a few suggestions for, um, I think it's like the 150, the EM-150 sort of like Gibson uh, mandolins and like the double-string uh, electric mandolins. But my buddy Kyle sent me this listing off of Reverb for, uh, it says a 1960 Fender Mandocaster. I believe it's just, it's uh, 1965 actually, I think is probably the date, but, um, it, it was just, it like caught my eye has the sunburst. It has like the original case. Um, it's basically all original, um, Brazilian Rosewood neck too. Um, yeah. And I've just been loving it and I got to play it for the first time when I did that studio recording with, um, I was recording with the Coffice brothers just last week and I got to see what it sounded like and it sounds so cool.
0: Oh man. Good for you. So that's really new. Mm Mm-hmm nice did you plug it in through an amp
1: um i did i tried a few amps out um but there was a little there were some limitations to the studio we were working with because we were using a lot of input so Um, there was one, there was one track or one song that I couldn't plug it into an amp and it was just like, oh, it kind of hurts my (laughs) soul. (laughs) You gotta play a 1965 Fender through an amp. You can't plug it into a computer, but that was like the one, the one thing that was like, ah, stabbing me in the heart. Um, but I did get to hear what it sounded like with some uh, really nice amps because my my friend Kyle from the Coffus Brothers, they well they're all pretty much gearheads and and they have a lot of nice equipment. So it's it's uh, I was glad I'm friends with uh, someone who knows a lot more than me.
0: So you did when you were younger. Um, sounds like you did like a lot of jamming and things like that with say like the Tuttles. So do you have any tips for people going out there and, and wanting to pick? Because I'm a, I'm also assuming you probably did some jamming when you were doing all these festivals as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, I, I do have a little bit of advice, especially being a woman in bluegrass. There is a big, there's a different dynamic Um that you'll find uh it's it's less now because people are talking about it but before there'd be a lot of you know women woman a woman would join in the gym and you <laughs> you'd kind of get a look like oh okay she's probably just gonna chop or she's probably just gonna strum or something like that but as a woman in bluegrass and and anybody else like if you're first learning how to jam the confidence finding that confidence is everything you just got to really go out there and you know practice and always play with people who are better than you. And that's the scariest part is, is if you are just comfortable jamming um, and like playing and like chopping and stuff, then that's great too. But if you want to get better and, and learn, you got to put yourself in some uncomfortable situations, I think, and and just really go for it. And But also know your jam etiquette. It's like it's jamming is so fun because it's sort of always just like this fluid Thing that's happening with other people because you have to be really attentive. You've got to listen to ha- have, Like the flow of the jam like and look someone will usually look at you Whoever's leading the song they'll give you a look if it's your turn to solo they'll say they'll nod or look at you if It's your turn Um and you want to be able to listen but also be pretty assertive and let people know hey i'm here to you know sh- You know practice and like try out what i have to to you know show what i have Um been learning um And yeah, just like finding that confidence is everything. And, and it's always, sometimes people won't like what you're doing, but you're trying your best and you're having fun and everybody should have fun. So it shouldn't really matter.
0: Yeah. And that's everything in life, by the way, nobody likes everything. Everyone (laughs) does, you know, don't don't let the jam, don't let the jam discourage you.
1: Yeah. Or, you know what? Just find another jam and try the same thing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's great advice. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: When you were learning like different tunes, did you have like a a way you learned them, like fiddle tunes, or how you, especially? I think maybe uh, retention of songs is again another thing I get a lot of emails about, or see a lot of people asking questions about. You know, I I, I do find that at almost every jam, and I got to do a lot of jamming at IBMA just a, a few weeks ago, and it it does seem to be a lot of tunes that you would probably recognize you know but every now and again there's one you're like "Whoa, what is this one but how did you work on retaining songs especially when you were playing so many jams
1: Mm. um i would say uh also first of all i had to uh think about the question because actually as you were asking we just had a little earthquake
0: (laughs) get out of here really
1: (laughs) yeah well i was wondering what was going on we just had a little earthquake
0: Um, oh so
1: yeah, there, yeah, wasn't that crazy? That's
0: pretty good, right?
1: Yeah, I, was, I, was, uh, I didn't know if I should leave the
0: yeah. house. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, this is a first. This is a mandolin's a beer first.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, wow. Wow. Where are you? Yeah, Yo, uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel's in South I'm Carolina. I'm in
0: Charleston, South Carolina. Oh. But oh. oddly enough, there have been, in the mid-state here, there have been like a record number of small tremors and earthquakes almost uh, daily. Um, which is huh. kind of strange. There's a pretty there's a fault line that runs around here somewhere.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, we don't really get what we just got here, but um, anyway, anyways. Yeah, is
0: everything all right? Before uh, everything's just the year. Yeah, it's, it's done.
1: <laughs> yeah, everything's good. I hopefully I think it didn't really last too long, just a few seconds,
0: but still, holy cow! Um,
1: yeah. Anyways, okay, so back back to the question, back to reality. Um The way I've, like, kind of retained material is, like, the way you learn. I've always really learned by ear or by tablature, which is, like, the numbered version of the reading music. Um, And so you'll just take everything piece by piece until you learn the whole song. And then just occasionally play it now and then, Um, just, like, with kind of with everything else, like you just kind of have to keep doing it every now and then to keep it fresh. And then you'll remember it. Like if I don't play a song for a few months, it might take me a little while to recall it again, but usually there's always some part that stays in there. And as long as you're jamming a lot, then you'll keep building
0: your library. Do you have a favorite, do you have a favorite fiddle tune?
1: I think my favorite fiddle tune actually might be red haired boy.
0: Oh, cool. That's a fun one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's one of those that's always play, played, and I've like learned it at a really young age. But for some reason, it just I always come back to it. It's just so fun to play. So, I, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Red-Haired Boy.
0: Yeah, good one. How about a favorite current song that you love? I, I'd love to ask this because you're a really good songwriter, and so I'd love to know what you're currently listening to.
1: Ooh, that's a good question because um, we were just at the Suwannee Roots um, Revival Festival in Florida. Mm-hmm. And um, for the first time, I, I saw Donna um, in The Buffalo. And, yeah, and and me and Jan, our fiddle player, we both saw their show. I think it was Saturday night. And we were like, whoa, what the heck? What, why haven't we ever really, like, listened to these guys? These guys are awesome. It's sort of like like reggae, folk reggae, kind of like... Uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but we've been listening to their um, album from the 2000s because they have an extensive um, career. But I think the 2000s album is my favorite. And um, there's actually a song, my favorite song by them, um, funny enough, isn't from that album, it's from a different one, but it's called Conscious Evolution. It's just like so groovy, and I've like listened to it all the time. But anything off of that 2000s album is just like
0: kind of—it just kind of slaps. It's a really good, really good album. How about a favorite all-time song? Hmm.
1: Uh, well, I said I don't listen to Maroon Five anymore, but I think my favorite all-time song would be the um, "I Won't Go Home Without You" that that they have, just like from years ago. There's just something about that song that's always resonated with me. Call it nostalgia or whatever, but the melody of it, I've always just really loved.
0: This is really great talking to you because really putting together pieces because your album, well, again, like bluegrass based, is very songwriter oriented. And I I don't come from a very strict bluegrass background. I kind of came to it much later, Um, but I love songwriting in, in, in a good song, no matter who writes it. Um, you know, like the old guilty pleasure thing. I I don't think you should have guilty pleasures. If you love a song, you love a song because a good song is a good Mm -hmm. song, you know? So yeah, it's cool to ask you, uh, some of these questions to see what kind of stuff you do. I think it really paints the picture for your recording.
1: Oh, well, well, thank you. Thank you for asking me the questions and, and letting me, letting me embarrass myself by telling everyone that I loved.
0: (laughs) No way. No way. Forget that. Uh, yeah, when when they're out there playing the festivals you're playing, they can make fun of you and listen to Maroon Five. <laughs> In the meantime, you keep listening to Maroon Five. <laughs> it seems to be doing all right for you. <laughs> all right. I, I have a question I like to ask people. Uh it's kind of like a ten minute a day question. And what is something that you think would maybe help somebody who only has a few minutes a day to really play?
1: Hmm. Um I would say If you just need like some sort of motivation just to pick it up and give it like, you know, a few strums here and there, what really helps is having your guitar on a stand in the living room or like on one of those wall hangers that you can hang your instrument up on because just like with everything else, if like, you know, sort of like procrastination if you have to like physically go get something or like take it out of a binder or like take it out of a backpack, that's just like the one step that is like helping keep you away from it. So if you have it out, it's a lot easier just to pick it up, play it and then put it back down.
0: If you were to pick it up right now, do you have like a, uh, a go-to lick or a go-to song that you, that you uh, play when you first grab your mandolin? Um,
1: I'll just give it a good old G strum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just make a G chord, strum that out. There you go.
0: And then the last question, uh do you have a favorite beer?
1: Oh, um favorite beer. That is a good question. Um I did have one a few months ago, but I have forgotten what it's called. There's a there's a great um, beer place just downtown here in Santa Cruz called Lupulo, and they have a great you know craft selection of different kinds of beer. And they had this one honey lager, and I want to I want to say the company was like honey Bee or called Honey something. Um, I can't remember, but it was fantastic. It was I like any sort of light beer um that has a little bit of flavor and nothing too bitter not really too much of a pilsner kind of thing more of like a lager but i like those maybe like an ipa here and there but they're a little heavy and you can't really go wrong with your classic like modelo or pbr or any sort of thing like that so
0: oh absolutely old old yeah. standbys <laughs> <laughs> old faithful that's right and the, oh you know what there's one i jotted this down too um especially cuz i'd saw you live do you have like a warm up routine that you that you use
1: um, so recently uh, we've been getting the metronome out and kind of putting the metronome almost uncomfortably fast uh, and just playing some fiddle tunes, uh, like the Red Haired Boy, Blackberry Blossom, um, anything like that, just like kind of at a more like Kind of a, almost a stressful speed, but still where you can kind of get the notes out just to get your fingers moving, get your rhythm going. And then, of course, like with singing, just doing some basic vocal warm ups like, you know, scales, like some raspberries and um, kind of like a low hum. I always like doing early in the morning, something not too stressful, just like getting the vocal cords a little bit uh, vibrating a little bit. So. Yeah, that's kind of what we do.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, it's working. I mean, I highly recommend anybody listening to this podcast if if Agile and Blue Summit are coming anywhere near you, it's 100% worth the uh worth worth the ticket price. You guys are really really good, and I'm stoked to see you guys live again too. I hope we cross paths sooner rather than later for sure.
1: Oh, thanks Daniel. Yeah, no. I, we we'll be out there, but probably yeah, just more on the north north side but we'll be back i hope sometime soon
0: yeah awesome and then uh, you know festival season's coming up soon maybe we'll cross paths at a festival next year too
1: heck yeah Yeah,
0: that'd be great well i hope everything's good i hope that's the only earthquake uh that was the only thing it looks like it was a 5.1 i pulled it up here while we were uh, while we were talking that's seems uh more than what you'd want to have (laughs) yeah just a little bit well yeah yeah what a
1: what a what a coincidence yeah just for the podcast yeah no
0: kidding holy cow pulling out all the stops (laughs) (laughs) yeah well and uh the other thing is i really appreciate you taking the time to do this i know you are super super busy so that you took time out of your schedule it really means a lot thank you so much
1: yeah, well, likewise. I mean, I, yeah, I appreciate you making some time to do this, too, out of, your, out of your week. So I'm glad we got to do it.
0: Me, too. All right, there you have it. Thank you to AJ Lee for doing the episode. Thank you for listening. Hope to see some of y'all in Michigan. Grand Rapids on Thursday, Bay City Friday, uh, Detroit area Sunday. Have a great weekend. Cheers, everybody.